Section 27 of The Lord of Death and the Queen of Life. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Daniela Austin. The Lord of Death and the Queen of Life by Homer Aeon Flint. Part 4 The Queen of Life. Chapter 14 Estra. This time there was no drowning the confusion. The telephone fairly shook with innumerable cries, shouts, imprecations. The four gave up trying to hear, and watched the two Venusians. Myron was facing Estra now. Her expression had lost a great deal of its good humor, and there was a certain sharpness in her voice as she exclaimed, Estra, if your sister has done this, and I see no reason to doubt it, then she has made man superfluous. If women can produce children mechanically, and govern the sex at will, the coming race need be nothing but females. Estra nodded gravely. This is what it amounts to, Myron. For a moment the two stared at one another challengingly. On the earth their attitude would have indicated some unimportant tiff. None would have dreamed that the most momentous question in their lives had come up, and had found them at outs. Next instant Myron turned, and without another word walked from the room. Estra followed slowly to the door, where he stood looking after her with an expression of the keenest concern on his sensitive, high-strung features. The three men from the earth, after a glance, studiously avoided looking at him. But Billy walked up and laid a hand on his arm. "'Are you really in favor of this scheme?' she inquired in a curiously tender voice. At the same time she gazed intently into Estra's eyes. He turned, and the smile came back to his face. He took Billy's hand and laid it between both his own. His voice was even gentler than before. Most certainly I do favor my sister's method, Billy. It will be the greatest boon the race has ever known. We can look forward now, and his face shone again. Can look forward to generation upon generation of people whose spirituality will be absolute. The girl moved closer to him. She spoke with feverish earnestness. There may be some hitch in the idea, Estra. If God meant for man to become, to become obsolete, he would not have hidden the method all this time. Suppose some flaw should develop later on. In the cube, Billy Jackson would not have stumbled over such a speech. She would have ignored the fact that Esther was holding her hand all this time and gazing deep into her eyes. She would have been filled with what she was saying and not with what she was seeing. On the other side of the room, Van Emmon watched and glowered. He could not hear. The Venusian lifted his head suddenly. The voices from the telephone had subsided. Only an occasional outburst came from the instrument. Esther closed his eyes again for a second, and when he opened them again his manner was astonishingly alert, and his speech swift and to the point. So far as we know, Billy, the method has no flaws. It gives us the chance to throw off our lower selves, and if by so doing we reduce the race to a single sex, only he stopped short as though at a sound, and with a word of apology stepped from the room. He opened another door, far down the corridor, and as he passed through, the wail of a newborn infant came faintly to the fore. "'Wonder what's up,' said Smith. Van Emmon, who had gone to the window, whirled upon the engineer and motioned him to his side. "'Look at the people!' Smith saw that the nearby houses were almost concealed by a throng which had gathered silently and without confusion during the past few minutes. Their numbers were increasing swiftly, 
fresh arrivals packing the background. People filled the streets. The space below Esther's balcony was already crowded as closely as it could be. Except for a low-voiced buzzing, there was no disturbance. Billy came up. She seemed to divine the temper of the mob. She caught her breath sharply and then said very simply, It reminds me of Bethlehem. But the words had scarcely left her mouth before an uproar sounded from one end of the street below. A crowd of excited Venusians was pushing its way determinedly toward the house, their passage obstructed by shouting, protesting individuals. Van Emmon's breast began to heave. He fancied he saw blows struck. By George, he exclaimed next second. They're fighting. It was true. A hand-to-hand -hand battle was going on less than a block away. The people below the window surged in the direction of the fight. All were shouting now. The clamor was deafening. Live and let live, came one of the shouts. It was taken up by the group that was doing the attacking, and made into a cheer. Then came other cries from them. Smith made out something like, Down with sex monopoly! Don't you see? shouted Smith above the din. These people below are Estra's friends. Those newcomers are backing Savarona. Get the idea? He repeated. If Esther wins out, the old boy with the fountain of youth will never get another boy baby to experiment on. What? The doctor leaped to their sides. He took it in at a glance, then whirled to the door. We ought to warn Estra. He knows it already, reminded Billy swiftly. A great shout came from below. The attackers had forced their way through the crowd of Esther's friends. Well, Van Emmon stood squarely in the middle of the room. So far as I'm concerned, Esther and his sister can face that crowd alone. I don't approve of the scheme. The doctor eyed him thoughtfully. I'm not so sure, Van. This is a tremendous thing. We ought to. Van is right, exploded Billy. Her voice rose to a streak as a crash shook the house. Next instant, Mirren, for once in a hurry, broke into the room. She glanced about, missed Estra, looked slightly puzzled, and then frowned angrily as the Venusian himself stepped in. You fooled me, she shot at him. But he smiled apologetically. He was carrying a large package of leaflets, closely printed in Venusian. There seemed to be several thousand in the lot. He said, by way of explanation, I had to get ready. Savarona's people will be here any moment. They have destroyed the elevator, and a wave of clamor burst from below. They've broken the barrier, remarked Esther calmly. He turned to the door, then whirled at a crash which sounded from above. Through the roof, he added. He did not even glance at the balcony, where the two cars barred the way against any attack from that direction. Next second, he again quit the room. Myron hesitated a moment, irresolute, and then followed him thoughtfully. They never saw her again. As for Estra, he came back in a moment carrying a small white bundle, which stirred in his arms. He unhesitatingly handed the child to Billy. His mouth moved soundlessly as a muffled shriek arose from the other end of the corridor. There was a thud, a metallic crash, and a great roar of voices. The mob had broken in, and up through the back of the house. The first of the attackers thrust his head and shoulders into sight, not ten feet away. Esther touched something with his foot, and a door shot across the corridor. There was an instant silence, then the thunder of the mob hurling itself against the door. The people were fairly snarling now. Esther closed the inner door. Estra! shrilly, from Billy. She laid the baby down and strode to the Venusian. Let's get out of here. The car's on the balcony. Nobody's in the way to interfere. 
Why not a grinding, ripping jar from above? And Esther shook his head. The smile was gone, and his mouth was set and grim. They'd catch us before we went a mile, he said, glancing at the infant who had begun to cry in a stifled, gasping way that tore at the nerves. Estra! Billy pleaded, but he turned away. The doctor strode up to him and gripped his shoulder. What's the good, Estra? What can you accomplish, even if you— The Venusian tapped his forehead. I can tell, he exclaimed, with a return of the exalted flush. Just give me a chance to offer my sister's discovery to the world, and I shall be satisfied. He touched the package of leaflets. These are not written as clearly as they should be. But if I cannot hold them back, then these— fingering the papers. These go to the friends down below. He moved closer to the window, but his eyes were on the door. A rending crash told that the corridor was now open to the mob. There was a rush, and then the storm of the people battering the last door. Van! Doc! Billy! Smith had the window open and was stepping into one of the cars. Kinney and the geologist were at his side in an instant. The girl held back. Estra! she begged. She picked up the baby, and with her free hand tugged at the Venusian's arm. Come on, don't sacrifice yourself. The door bulged under the attack. The noise was ear-splitting. Nevertheless, Estra heard, and shook his head without looking at the woman from the earth. She dashed to the window, then came back. Hurry, there's a chance. He stood unmoved, watchful, and ready. Estra, I want you to come. Her face flamed. Can't you see? Can't you see that I, I want you? She gasped as the door shrieked under the strain. Come, if you're a man. The Venusian's face changed. He turned and stared at the girl with eyes that held nothing but blank amazement. The grimness left his mouth. His lips partly opened. He took a step forward and threw an arm about her shoulders. Billy, I'm sorry. I never thought. A crack showed at the edge of the door, and a roar smote their ears. Esther backed to the window. Go, he shouted. Go quickly while you can. Billy stood stock still, gazing at him. I'm going to stay, she screamed. I'll take my chances with— He thrust her through the window. You don't understand, he shouted, and took the baby away from her despite all her strength. Then a wonderfully tender light came into his eyes. He gripped Billy's hands and spoke sorrowfully. Billy, I'm not what you thought. I'm not a man. I'm a woman. End of section 27. Recording by Daniela Austin.